Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Southern California, Joey Nochoprano. Hello, Andrew. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You got that pre-show surfing, huh? Got a little surfing this morning. A little get made myself a little breakfast. You know, just trying to start off Monday right. And then, of course, the brakes light on my car came on. So it looks like I had to go get my car looked at today. You know, classic Monday. Can't can't just have a nice, easy Monday. What's the status of that car? It's been driving fantastic. Now, all of a sudden, the brakes lights came on. So I'm not trying awesome. to be a dick. Was that was that a terrible decision, though, getting that car? No, it was a great decision. It's uh, it's 10 years old now. I mean, the last few years have really been problematic, but. In the beginning, I mean, it was basically the, uh, you know, the first few, I mean, I paid, I paid $2,700 for that car. I have, uh, my new neighbor right now just told me you could sell it for 10. I was like, excuse me. He's like, I'll buy it from you right now. Well, you could use cars are in demand, but you have to figure how much money you put into the car. Yeah, absolutely. But nothing like buying a new car. Um, you know, nowadays with the, uh, with gas prices, that's $7 a gallon here in Los Angeles. So it's a bit problematic. Dude, it's insane, isn't it? Yeah. Like gas prices. I don't think I've ever been that high. I mean, it could thanks be Jimmy Carter. I don't know who are we blaming. I don't know who to blame anymore. Are they doing work there? Yeah. Can you hear it? We hear it today. Oh man. Couldn't hear it the other day. What are they doing? <clears throat> uh, ne- next space over. I think they're redoing the floors. Gotcha. Well, we'll plow through. Sounds like maybe carpeting today. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of a lot of staple gunning happening. Yeah. You remember the old days in the smart studio? Oh, yeah. Do you remember, do you remember how much we battled? Oh, man. Everything. You had the, you had the grass guy. You had you are the you know the outdoor landscape worker. You had you had everything. Remember Guy when upstairs. the remember when the Korean dudes were doing the the tabletops and the bathroom tops, and remember how loud it was that one time. Yeah, for like weeks, they were doing those in the courtyard. We also yeah. had crackheads. Let's not forget that crackheads screaming. Just, Just ah. Yeah, you had you had the occasional just street fight. You think one day I'm gonna wake up and just say it's too quiet where I'm at. I need to get some action again. I don't know. Are you? You've I don't been... know. I'm posing it. I'm just posing the question. Seems like it would have happened by now. I do like the tranquility. I do. But you know, occasionally you just need some guy smoking meth. Just get you going. Get you a little worked up. 
That could be like a tour you do. You take people who live in the suburbs and you're like, is your life too easy? Is it too rich and white and bland? Well, we're going to do a tour of the worst areas of our city. <laughs> and, and you get in a bus and you drive down and you let them out and they pay to just see some crazy shit. Did quality I just come up with the, the quality of life tour? Did I just come up with a business idea? Sure. I don't think many people would do it because they're not like me. They don't want to put themselves in weird positions. Like, do you miss that? Uh, in what sense? Just kind of like you didn't know what you were going to expect when you walked down the boardwalk or yeah, of Venice course. Beach. At I, lo- night. I love that. Right. Me too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We can always I, go get it, Andy. I know. Take your trip out here. We'll take a walk down the boardwalk together. I had a buddy try to lecture and a meth me. Guy, a meth head spit on you. I had a buddy try to lecture me about how late at night I would walk. That sometimes I walk Roscoe. And my girlfriend's in a pretty good area, but there, you know, there's some like an area. There's could be some seedy parts, whatever. He's like, you walk him at 1230 at night. And I'm just thinking, man, you've lived in the burbs too long. Like, and I said, I said, you know how much experience I have in Venice dealing with crazies? Like, come so on. What's going to happen to you? Somebody's going to take your wallet. Like what, what's going to happen to you? Like, what is the actual fear? I don't know. It's a good question. They have a place, by the way, where she lives, where people just pet cats. I don't understand. Like, I think you can get the cats, but people can pay to be around cats. It's like a cat cafe. Yes. I'm going to look this place up. It's it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. You where should... does your girlfriend live that she is surrounded by cat cafes and witchcraft shops? Covington, Kentucky. You know, people make fun of Kentucky a lot. I'm starting to think it's appropriate. It's just like witchcraft stores <laughs> and petting cats and stuff like that. It's called Purr Two R's. Perfect Day Cat Cafe. Dude, it's wild. I walk by this and people are just playing with cats. So you can adopt for sure, or you can just go play with cats. There's tons of cats and obviously areas for the cats to play. And people who just like cats can just go play with cats. Okay. It's a good point. So this was in a cat cafe. Now, are you allowed to rent the cats for like a couple hours? Like if you needed to take one over to the witchcraft store to put some of its fur into your potion? It's a good question. They should have a combo deal. Yeah. What was the thing that was around for Covington, Kentucky, like rated like number one city in America for lonely women? witchcraft and cats is there an astrology cafe too where i can be seated next to somebody who is my astrological soulmate uh, no oh, but- i'm sorry we don't have any seatings uh next to cancers today perhaps uh a taurus perhaps you'd like a cup of tea next to a taurus it's funny no but they also have the place that i love which does tacos with mac and cheese right Agave and rye, which she lives basically above. So well, yeah, just gave away your address. Well, true. You didn't have to point it out though. <laughs> oh, like uh, oh, you think I'm more sinister than the dirt balls? Dirt ball, literally a hundred dirt balls there at the same time. We got him. We got him. 
got him. <laughs> Seriously, all-time meme right there. Yeah. You watching these basketball games? I assume you did. I did. Yeah, absolutely. Can we start off with the Celtics Heat series? Sure. I don't watch sports talks. So I don't know what they were saying, but I'm going to come out with it. I feel like these injuries might have been exaggerated on Saturday night's game. In terms of what? The dramatization. Now, the smart injury looked wicked. I'm shocked he came back. Right. But, but just you saw that. And you said there's no way he's coming back. You saw Jason Tatum go down. You said there's no way he's coming back. And they both came back fine. Well, I mean, I think there's some drama in obviously losing players like that for the game for, for potentially longer. That's, those, are, those are essentially championship changing injuries. You lose, honestly, any of the guys in that game that went down severely hurt. So I think that the drama is in you know, the broadcast just going like, well, you know. How, how important it would be to lose those guys. Yeah, but I don't know how close you were watching. I was watching it pretty closely. I have to ask the question, is there some sort of gamesmanship strategy of being dramatic when you go down? And again, I'm not saying these injuries weren't serious, but I'm asking that question. Are they hyping it up more so when they come back, every person in TD Guards going nuts and the crowd's behind him and you get momentum. You saw it. Smart comes back. He hits a three right away. You just I mean, wonder. I, th I think the thing is, is like you're not going to leave the game unless you have to. And so I don't know if there's hyping it up more than that. You know, you're going to figure out exactly what's wrong. We've seen so many guys like walk off seemingly fine. And it's like, oh, he tore his ACL. He's done forever. And we've seen guys, you know, go down hard and come back and be like, oh, it's, you know, it's actually nothing. So I don't know. It, that seems like a layer of uh, a layer of effort that I don't think these, these guys have in them. I don't know. I just, I just felt like those two injuries were almost WWE-esque with when they came back and everybody's talking about Marcus Smart comparisons to Paul Pierce. Obviously, he didn't shit himself. Right. So that comparison is thrown out the window. But you saw how wild that arena was going. Sure, sure. And they make the comeback. And they fall short. They still lose. And I have to bring up the Jimmy Butler injury as well. I just, I don't know. Part of me is like stiff, sore knee. You played the first, you played 20 of 24 minutes in the first half. Yeah. I'm questioning. I'm just damn. But like, but then I don't know. This is another Andy Ruth. Like what's the end game here for Jimmy Butler leaving the game? The end. I don't know. The end. That's why I'm asking it. The end game is they're up 15 at halftime. Here we go. Jimmy Butler is going to uh, post a picture of him holding a spoon and be like, Andy Ruther, I am not an injury faker. I am a superstar. I'm not saying he's injury faker. I like Jimmy Butler for the record. Yeah. And he's going to play in game four. I just think I'm not trying to go old hat. I'm not. I don't what? even know if this is an old head. To, what's the old head take here? The old head would be like, these guys back in my day, these guys don't even leave the game. Just, I remember back in the, the bad boys Pistons, they'd shit themselves all the time. But that's kind of where I'm going with it. I'm just saying you played 20 of 24 minutes. You didn't play terribly. You had eight points in the first half. You are the guy for your team. You're up 15 
is there some sort of strategic move saying, hey, I think we're going to win this game. Even though they only have 15, yeah, maybe rest kind of nothing in the NBA. Also, I mean, I just think it's a matter of if, if it's maybe if it's a one or two point game and he's like, listen, if I leave, we're going to lose. But my knee's been hurting for a few minutes. We're up 15. Instead of doing more damage on it right now, maybe I go get it checked out, see what the deal is. And if they tell me, you know, if this game gets close and they go get back out there, that's one thing. And if it doesn't get close, we, you know, I, well, the announcers, I, get, I, I don't know if you heard, they alluded to that. They said, it, they said, if this game gets close and it did, obviously they cut the lead to one. Does Jimmy Butler come back? And again, I think that's a legitimate question to pose. If he's coming back, why couldn't he have played before? That's all I'm asking. Because you don't want to make it worse because they're set there. You're in game three of a seven game series. And you have another series to go if you win this one. You need Jimmy Butler if you want to win a championship. Sure. Precautionary. I know. I just feel like even the book I'm reading now about the Lakers, and you go, you go through the injuries of the early 2000s, they talk about how hurt they were, but they still kept playing. I don't know. I'm not trying to nitpick, but maybe I am. I'm just seeing. I mean, it's all, it's all worked out for the Heat, right? So but, Jimmy but, Butler... But the- Jimmy Butler leaves. They win that game still. And now it looks like he's good to go for a game four. Like that's the good, that's a good strategy, right? Well, t- well, Tyler Hero is out. Right. I'm just saying you're seeing massive stars or important people on these teams from both sides that are missing significant time. Which which just sucks for the game, right? Yeah. It sucks for viewers. Sports fans. Now they they pulled through huge win. I'm gonna play a call about that, and I think the kind of unrecognized hero, I would say, in the calls about that, Victor Oladipo. Yeah, I've been saying this since the since last round when he, you know, it's like you you kind of forgot for a while that he was on the team, and then if he's gonna be like three quarters, two thirds, half of what he was in the past in terms of a superstar. I think they might be the team to beat. Yeah. Yo, what's up, boys? It's your uh, South Carolina football, Clay Jenkins, uh, watching the Celtics Heat game, big Celtics fan. And this is a crazy game, but I can't help but think about how good the defense is from Oladipo. I mean, he has been absolutely crazy good at defense. Been shutting down in this game, shutting down like Jalen Brown, basically keeping him at bay. And uh, I mean, I know that the crazy thing is that they can, uh, they might come back and win this series. But like, how how about Oladipo stepping up when uh, Butler is out? I mean, that's crazy. I just want to get you guys' opinion on uh, how Victor Oladipo has kind of stepped up in place of uh, Jimmy Butler in this game. Uh, stay dirty, boys. So Jalen Brown did have a great game as well, but he also had some turnovers, and I think that's what he's referring to. Oladipo had, what, four or five steals? Like, yeah. huge steals. He only had five points, but his impact on that game. Yeah, I mean, we're we're only a few years removed from Oladipo you know, pre-injury on the Pacers looking like he was going to be a star, um, you know, carrying 
teams through playoff series. And I think that's what, what happens with great teams, whether it be age or injury or whatever, you find a guy who has that, you know, had moment of uh, moments of elite play and they find themselves in just like a role player role on, you know, on a potential championship team. I mean, Victor Oladipo throughout the playoffs has had just like big moments, big, you know, uh, not even like especially big moments, but like he's been there throughout. You're hearing his name a lot. He's, you know, I mean, credit again to Pat Riley for going out and getting a guy when his value's down. And this is what I've always said. It's, it's, uh, it's guys like him where it's like, if you have the Oladipo game, in a conference finals, or you have the old Depot game in a, in an NBA finals, it was all worth it. Right. Like that's yeah. when you, when you have a team that's that good, you know, you have Jimmy Butler, who's, who's been playing fantastic throughout the playoffs. It, it's the same way I used to say of Kevin love. It's like, everybody talked about, Oh, Kevin love and Kyrie and LeBron. It's like, forget the big three. Who cares? Like Kevin love's job is to basically be, you know, uh, nobody, and then if you have the one game where he hits a bunch of threes or the one game where he plays some good defense, you could win a championship. And that's what the Heat are getting and need to get even still going forward from Oladipo. Yeah, you're Just right. be like a serious contributor to the team. And a guy who could have a great game offensively or, or have a great 10 minutes offensively. Yeah, like he did this game. He played great defense the whole way. I think the I thought the Heat would win this series. I still think they will. Now home court's evened up with that win. Yeah, I, I mean, think, I think Miami's they win the just, too, they, Miami's just deeper. I just think they have they have more guys who can just go off. I, I think they win the series as well, but I think it's going to be a tough series. I think it's going to be back and forth. It took uh it took a couple rounds for it to get going, but finally the NBA zigzag theory is back a little bit where you're trading trading games. Um, I think, I think there's, you know, a, a great chance of this going seven games. Um, if I had to put my money on one team winning and I have, it would be on the heat winning it. And honestly, I think, I know this is crazy to say as we, you know, you know, switch into the Western conference, but I think the winner of the East wins it all. Really? And, and interesting. And here's the thing, the, the, the part of that, that makes me a little scared is that this has serious six, seven game potential. And it looks like the Warriors will wrap their series up relatively early one way or the other. And so you have two teams that are kind of battling injuries and then a Warriors team that is going to be rested and whatever. So that's, that's a factor. But to me, I just, I don't know. I look at that, that West and that series, I mean, the, the fact that the Mavs haven't shown up, I've just been shocked and I'm, I'm not a Warriors hater. Um, I'm not like a fan of the Warriors by any means, uh, but uh, it it just doesn't feel like it, it really feels like the Mavs have just like not not brought it and have not made any adjustments. And I was critical on Twitter of Jason Kidd yesterday and whatever. It just seems like you're just going to live and die by how you got there like that. To me, that doesn't. Uh, that's not, that's not what a championship team is made of. Like at some point you're going to have adversity. You're going to have to like make an adjustment and it seems like they're not willing or able to do that. Whereas both of the teams in the East, I think 
have good coaches and can adjust and have adjusted throughout the playoffs. Don't you see a similarity with the Heat and the Warriors with being deep, right? Absolutely. Like the the Warriors, game three, six guys go double figures. Last night's game, five guys go double figures. My point is they're not just getting one or two guys. They're getting contributions from the whole team. And Andrew Wiggins felt, you know, he, he basically was lost in the mix, I feel, his whole career. And now where he's at on Golden State, it just works out well. Well, it works out well because he's the number one overall pick. He's Maple Jordan. He's supposed to be this next guy. He's, you know, that we had we had a, a couple years before he even came out that he was the guy. He was the guy who's the guy. Surprise, surprise. It doesn't work in Minnesota where they try to, you know, they're like, oh, you're the guy. Do it all. And it's like the thing in the NBA is so often you have these high draft picks and they don't pan out to being LeBron James or Michael Jordan type type superstars. And then they just get forgotten and they get called busts where it's like for most players coming out of college, having a respectful 10 years as a role player in the NBA is absolutely positively making it. So now he transitions into going on a very deep Warriors team and he's got to be a defense guy. He's got to be a finisher. He's got to be able to get points like in bunches. He's basically taken over like what was originally, I don't know, a Harrison Barnes. You know, it's like John Livingston. Yeah, exactly. You you get you get these guys and he's been playing great, but it's like, oh, he's forgotten why because he was the number one overall pick. It's like if he had been you know, you look like a guy like Draymond, who's obviously, you know, tracking to, I don't know, I guess everybody says be a Hall of Famer, but it was like, oh, he was a second round pick. So it's like, oh, look at what he's done, as opposed to Andrew Wiggins, who's the number one overall pick. And it's like, oh, his rebirth. It's like in the end, he's just like a contributing NBA player on a championship team. And that's great. Yeah. Well, you're right. The expectation is so much higher when you're taking especially number one. And, and that's why it, it's a hundred percent true why they kind of get forgotten. And then you see what he can do. I'm surprised though, that you feel that way about the warriors. Like you're that confident on the East. I'm not that confident because like I said, uh, the, because I said about what'll be with rest and health, but I just feel like the warriors haven't really impressed me in this series as much as, the Mavs have sort of been disappointing. It's like the Warriors are just kind of playing their game and the Mavericks aren't doing anything to adjust for that game other than being like, we hope Luca goes for 40, 12 and 12. It's like I was joking last night, but I was also half serious. It's like you're getting killed in the rebound game. Like make it a fucking adjustment. I was like, you got Boban sitting on your bench. Like, do I think the guy should be playing 20 minutes a game? No, but like mix it up for a minute. Going around, yeah. they're like, oh, everybody on Twitter. Oh, he can't guard anybody. Cool. Well, I guess they'll just get swept and not find out. Like Jason Kidd just kind of embarrassing himself with like the the the, the Warriors are just on cruise control and they're going, the Mavs are going to have their ups and downs offensively. When it's guys hitting shots and guys not hitting shots, Luca unstoppable for a minute or two and they not. And it's like, we're just going to stay here and we're going to hope the clock runs out when they're on one of their downswings and we outlast them. And there's 
part of that that's impressive to me, but there's also part of it where I'm like, they haven't shown me that much. What's crazy about the Warriors, they had those down years. But it was just a couple of years. Like, like I'm pulling up, like you for, you forget they just won the NBA finals in 2019. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the down years, they they lose KD and then they lose, you know, Clay and Steph at separate times injuries. It's like sure. It's it's not like really all that much happened to them other than I mean, obviously they were in the they were in the finals pre-KD. So you have they have that potential, but you can't you can't lose a guy like that and suffer injuries to to two of your best players. I know, but that's kind of my point is is they obviously lose KD, they get those injuries, and then they're just like it's like they're just back here. Obviously the Jordan Poole thing rolled out. Um you know, planned out, I should say, Wiseman is a whole is a whole up in the air situation. But I don't know. It's it's just like it'll be like this is what's cute. This is like I I try to look at things historically, right? If they win the finals, if they make it to the finals and win, that's what? Is that four? Yeah. Four rings for this, the trio yep. of um, Clay, Steph, and Draymond. Like, then you start looking, where, like, it's, it's, can you say it's like a Spurs kind of type of dynasty? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, where just like the Spurs, you have a couple of players and the pieces that are around them sort of rotate through. Um, you have a good coach, you've got, you know, your system, it works. You kind of, you kind of the, what the Spurs did and what this Warriors team is doing, especially this year, forget the KD years, you know, is you're taking advantage. You're always going to be a certain level of, of good. That's what the Spurs did forever. And the years where some team doesn't come out of nowhere and just kick everybody's ass, you're going to be right there. Yeah. But the thing is, is like you look at the East and how how tough it's been defensively. And it like it just seems like the Warriors aren't dealing with that at all. I was going to say they really bear down defensively. They do both of of those teams. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they really do. And the Mavs are not playing defense whatsoever. No. And we've seen, I mean, how many times have we seen that through the years where historically some team gets there and everybody's like, well, they're fucking running through the playoffs. And then the, you know, the Lakers meet a Pistons team in the finals, yeah, you know, or whoever. It's like, uh, I, I mean, I kind of love it in terms of the gambling uh, aspect of like, oh, let's see if this game, this goes six or seven games and the Warriors complete a sweep and everybody has Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. Their Warriors are winning the finals. Warriors winning the finals. It's like, okay, I love the value of taking either of the more d- defensive teams coming out of the East. Will a title change your opinion of Steve Kerr in any way? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, it's got to help his legacy, right? I think a title would, for sure. I mean, how does it not? You have a fourth yeah. title. You know, listen, the 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 first team was just unbelievable. I mean, that was like, you know, no one being able to keep up with the system again, the the Mike D'Antoni as as was screamed in the locker room uh following that first first title. Uh but you know, then you have the KD years and you're like, okay. 
I mean, the same way as you're like whoever about, you know, when somebody else has the best team, like how good a coaching job was it to just add Kevin Durant, you know, but absolutely. I mean, even, I think even going to the finals, it's kind of a weird down year where no one's like kind of separated themselves from the pack, but at the same time, you can only beat the teams that are put in front of you. Yeah. And this, and I think that considering legacy, the same would go for Spolstra. If he wins one, I think, well, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I've already, I've already kind of, I already kind of switched or not switched, but like jumped him up a rung from the finals appearance in the bubble. Me too. Yeah. I think it really elevated his status as a coach. We get too hung up on the LeBron years, but he's done it for a consistent basis for how long. And again, kudos goes to Pat Riley. Like Pat Riley, this was all orchestrated by him. He really seems to pull the right strings more times than not. That's a guy I'd like to hang out with. Yeah. What do you think he drinks? Like a, like a glass of scotch or something? Yeah. Like he, he's, he, he reeks of a tequila guy to me, like fancy tequila. Oh Yeah. Especially down in Miami. Exactly. I can totally see that. I think guys like, like, I, like I, I feel like you go to, I feel like you go to uh, Pat Riley's house and he's like, do you want a Mezcal Negroni? And you're like, excuse me? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I think guys like that just can't retire. He's 77. What's he retiring from? No, I'm just saying most people at a certain point say, hey, I'm done with this. I'm enjoying my life. But I just think someone like him and just keep on going. Like they have to work. I guess if you're living in Miami, working in Miami. That's where people go to retire. Exactly. That's what I was getting at. There's a lot. There's a lot of like New Yorkers are like, I just want to go to Miami and watch basketball. And drink Mezcal Negronis. Pat Riley's like, that's what I do. And I get paid tens of million dollars a year to do it. Is Miami really going to be overtaken by water? Uh, like, they, like they say that. Like, is that really probably. Is that really going to happen in the next 30? There's no way. That, is that really going to happen in like the next 30 years? I don't know about the next 30 years, but I feel like, listen, I think in the next 100 years, you know, uh, I think the a lot of a lot of our coastline is going to be gone. Really, like a lot of our coastline. I think so. Like New York. I think we've got. I think we've got. I think we've got some sort of major. Alexa, stop! Why does this bitch do this? She wants to tell you about what's going to happen. Why do you still have Alexa? Why do people still have that? I don't get it. I have it for a number of different reasons, including. Alarms, timer, weather, music. My place is small enough where I just play music all the time. I never got into that though, the Alexa thing. You can run the lights. Yeah, that's weird to me, man. Back in my day, you turned on your damn lights. You turned on your school. damn lights by hand. Back in my day, you wanted to change the channel. You got up and you walked. You walked to the TV. <laughs> You did it by hand. Back in my day, your picture wasn't good. You made your kids stand there holding the antenna, moving in different ways. You remember 
Never trying to get like blurry. So you, I love that Andy's got full Joe Bartnick on this episode. Back in my day, you wore short shorts everywhere. And if you got hurt, you stayed in the game. You didn't use AI to turn on music for you. That's a great callback. That's early dirty sports days, which I want to say, because you and I discussed this. There are some things I am reviewing that we didn't realize from the pre-dirty sports days. I shouldn't say pre-dirty sports days. I should say old school dirty sports days that the condoms are for pussies days. That's yes. It's, it's it's before and after Andy's condom are for pussies. Yeah, that you're right. That's like our pre-cap and post-cap. Exactly. So I, I'm hoping to release some some old episodes. I just got to do some some vetting, which in particular is the Kobe Bryant shot challenge. I didn't know the Kobe Bryant shot challenge was not available. I didn't either. I'm going to re-listen to it. I, I started listening to it. He took 14 shots in the first quarter. I mean, it's 14 shots. I couldn't do that today. I think there's a pre-Kobe shot challenge and a post-Kobe shot challenge. Uh, Joe Prano's body. I still don't know how you did that. I still can't believe there was just a hole in that bucket. Just a crack of the bucket. Like, here, puke in this bucket that is not sealed. And it got all over my couch. I did get to the point I was skimming through. Like, I'm going to listen to it start to finish. I was skimming through. I mean, there was a huge call for you to pull the plug. My DMs oh, were on fire. And and we get to that point of, of the night where it's you, me, and Luke. And I'm like, we got to pull the plug on this. And Luke's like, no, we can't. Like, this is all on air. I remember Laz calling. Laz, did Laz show up? Laz showed up with burritos, which was a weird move. Yeah. <laughs> it's an odd move. Like, you're throwing up. You don't want food. He showed up with two burritos, which I ate both of them, for the record. But you don't remember any of that. I don't remember any of that. I remember Laz showing up. Barely. I would say... You being able to, I walked you home. I don't think I drove you. That feat for you might be your greatest athletic feat of all time. Oh, what about, what about me going out that night? Oh, that's right. Wow. And then, and then not remembering. Yeah. Cause I, I remember, I don't know if you remember, I showed up to your place the next day. And like to check in on me, make like sure I checked. Okay. I checked in on you in the morning. I just walked over. Yeah. And got into your building and knocked on your door. I, I mean, Jean. Now I also want to go back and watch that game. You probably don't remember. It was a straight up exhibition game. Oh, I remember. The Jazz were letting oh, him I shoot. I remember. It, it was that game is 100% a microcosm of the Kobe Mamba mentality, me first shoot i don't care about my teammates it's everything that would be wrong with basketball or a team sport in general everything that game to bring it back to i used to be big kobe over lebron that game is the epitome of kobe versus lebron i just like lebron would never do that it's it's it it amazes me what amazes me is like you you know we talked about this i think recently maybe it was pre pre one of the last couple episodes because you're deep in the three ring circus book but 
you were like, you were on it early. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's like, it's those type of players. I mean, it, I was that way with Carmelo. I was that way with Kobe. I was that way with Jordan a little bit. Like the, the guys who are just selfish basketball, like if you've played basketball for a long time, if you've played basketball at any sort of high level, other than like, I'm talking about pickup games, you go down to Venice beach, there's a ton of Kobe's out there. Sure. You know what I mean? But if you play basketball, unless you're like also insane, unless you're also one of those guys who like needs to shoot every time you just recognize immediately that that's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. When yeah. you, when you, when you act like that, you're just saying, I don't care about winning. I don't care about my teammates. I care about me. And so I've always recognized those guys really early and been like, I do not like that kind of basketball. And I find that person to be a bad person. And, 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 and that's the thing. It's like, all that ever tells me is that the people that stand for those guys, well, they don't the people who stand, basketball. They either, they either never played or they're also an asshole when they play basketball. I, I, well, I, I actually, I think it's, I think they don't understand basketball. And again, we, we can never underestimate the brilliant marketing campaign and the machine of PR. But what's crazy, if you really think about it, the Carmelos, the Kobe's of the world, I, I just think that's a thing of the past for the most part. I think in the modern NBA, if I watch games, I think they understand how important ball movement is movement is how important spacing is you, you see it even with the stars you, they understand it I, I think that like who would be that type of player in today's modern nba i mean no no obviously no one on that level like no one to the degree i mean but also there's no one that's no one before or after a kobe Bryant or a carmelo anthony historically who's like that sure even jordan if you read any of the phil jackson books phil Phil Jackson talks about Jordan bought in. It took, man, it took it taking him a minute. Jordan made the pass when he had to for John Paxson or BJ Armstrong or Steve Kerr to make the shot. Jordan, Jordan bought into the triangle. It, it really is just a small. That's why all the group. Lakers highlights from those things, all those big shots. It's like How about a the tip Robert out, o a tip out to run our test or Robert yeah, or, 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 or Ori. Or, you know, a, a 0.4 seconds catch and shoot for Derek Fisher or like whatever, you know, it's never like wh where is the moment where it's like Kobe finding a wide open guy for a three? It's not. So what I've been doing is as I read this book, I've enjoyed pulling up the YouTube highlights of said game or said play. And I just did that with the Sacramento series from the what is it? 2001 Western Conference Finals, where Ori hits that shot because Kobe, I don't know if you remember, Kobe takes a reckless yeah. end of game. They get the ball to 11 seconds, a reckless shot. Shaq misses the tip in, and Divac did was trying to just end the game, which he basically tipped. But that was the point, like you're saying. It wasn't finding an, an Ori who had a history of hitting clutch shots it was i'm gonna take a reckless shot even though i got ori even though i got fisher even though i got Shaq, it's me 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 which is which is to go back to you know circle back since we're in the midst of the conference finals is like none of these teams exactly none of them have that mentality 
The Mamba mentality is just me. Even even I'm Jason Tatum, mine. even Jason Tatum, when he goes into that mode, it's never on the level. Sure. The the the, the Celtics are never like so many times during uh, my Knicks fandom. The 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 Celtics are not losing games because Jason Tatum goes seven for thirty, but he scores twenty eight points shooting a bunch of free throws. Like, and and then you lose by fifteen. Yeah, a hundred percent. You're right. You just don't see that in the modern game. And if you look at it again, it's just not good basketball at any level, whether it's third graders or NBA players, it's just not good basketball. Killer instinct. I mean, I was one of those people. I, I almost feel like it's like I, like I need to tour the country because I was one of those people. Yeah, you're like one of the, you're like a guy who runs AA meetings now because you're a former alcoholic yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like I've been there, guys. I've seen the darkness. I was there. I'll never forget. And then we'll move on. When we were in Savage Town at the pool, and remember which which day was it? Was it was it Ben? Where you and I were just breaking it down, and you were of course taking the lead because he's born and raised L.A. Oh, was, Ben. Uh, yeah, Ben in Venice. Yeah. You remember yeah. you were like, it, it was like a workshop and you were just breaking it down for him. And then, and then, you know, I'm the stat dork. So I would throw in the stats that I had off the top of my head. But it's and a guy it, who never, I, he, he probably never played a game of actually, he never probably played a uniformed game of basketball in his whole life. So like, that's your prime example. Yeah. Of someone who falls for them. And I don't feel, I don't, I, I don't feel bad for that. You know, I, I, I should say I don't like judge people like that. Sure. I'm just like, oh, you're a Laker fan. You got five championships. They told you that Kobe's responsible for all of them. You know. They 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 put murals of them up everywhere. Yeah. But you just don't understand the game. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, let's move on to some baseball stuff. Let's talk about this Josh Donaldson, Tim Anderson feud that's happening that I didn't seem to fully understand, even though I knew it because of where it's gone. So Josh Donaldson. First things first. Yeah, let's start there. First things first. These guys historically. Both of them kind of douchebags. Just historically fucking annoying, always beefing with somebody kind of guy. I mean, uh, Tim Anderson at this point, great player, love to watch him. But it's like he draws all the attention to himself. And then when he gets the attention, he gets upset. Josh Donaldson walking around with a fucking mohawk, pimping home runs, then upset when the other guys like are getting attention. It's like, first things first, this is a, this is a, this is a, uh, a douche duel at dawn. Douche on douche crime. Yeah, this is, there are, there's no right side of this argument, but at the same time, it's like Josh Donaldson 
is talking shit to Tim Anderson. Why? Why? I don't fucking know. These teams are beefing. Everybody fucking hates the Yankees. Everybody hates Tim Anderson. I think that there is a racial element to that, but I don't think that there's a racial element to what Josh Donaldson said. So anyway, apparently Josh Donaldson regularly refers to Tim Anderson as Jackie, which which when I first read that was like, obviously that's racist. Yeah. Obviously it's racist to call a black baseball player, Jackie in a derogatory term in a derogatory manner. Now it's then revealed that there's a story and I didn't even remember this. So I have it right in front of me. So Tim Anderson called himself, which is absurd. It's wild. So in a 2019 Sports Illustrated interview, so just a couple years ago, Anderson Jackie described- Robinson fought, fought through death threats, and Tim Anderson pimps home runs. You are not the same. Exactly. Anderson described himself as feeling like today's Jackie Robinson and how he's getting to a point where I need to change the game. So offensive. That's offensive to Jackie Robinson. That's oh, it is. more that's more racist than anything Josh Donaldson. Well, it's it, because it is. because now you're saying every black baseball player is the same. It's like you're not dude, you're pimping home runs. There's only one Jackie Robinson. And and even to make that to to make that comparison to Jackie Robinson, it's it's like the transgender swimmer who remember said the same thing. I'm the Jackie Robinson. It's like dude, dude, no you're not. Like the like, there's only one one person broke the racial barrier from all of sports, basically, and, all professional and, sports. And here's the thing: I think that there is a racial element to the response of bat flipping and all that stuff these days. It is not a it is not a coincidence that essentially everybody bat flips now. But Tim Anderson pisses people off. And Jose Bautista, when he did it, pissed people off. There's not, there's not a that's not a coincidence that hard ass fucking relievers from Tennessee are like, let me get in there and fucking throw it at that fucking blah 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 blah, whatever word they're gonna fucking use. There is a racial element to that. But th- at the same time, to call yourself Jackie Robinson is offensive to Jackie Robinson. Then also to get upset, Josh Donaldson, again, a douche. Why is he upsetting you? Because he's doing what you did forever because he hit, he pimps home runs now. Anyway, they have a whole beef because Tim Anderson, they try to back pick Tim Anderson off of third at one point in the game. I think it was last week and he gets back in time and Josh Donaldson's like shoving him off the bag. So it's just stupid baseball, cheddar dick baseball beef. And then there's a there's this element thrown in because like where I where the whole thing loses me is like you can't call yourself Jackie Robinson and then be upset when somebody refers to you as Jackie in the mocking tone because you should be mocked for that. Yeah. And that's where I came from as well. I was like, whoa, you call him Jackie. And then when that was revealed, I just like to say again, though, I'm on neither side of this beef because I think it's uh, I, I, sep- I I don't root for douchebags. Yeah. And and. As I always say, this isn't like a you have to pick a side. Both both guys can be douchebags, or both guys can be wrong. Like you're wrong for making a Jackie Robinson comparison. You're just wrong. Like to be honest, I'm a white dude, but 
but I'll say it. I think that's disrespectful to other black people. Like, I think it is. Yeah, I, th- I think it's disrespectful to compare yourself. I don't know for myself who that, that would be. Like who I would compare. Like, it's just I don't know. It's it's and, and he's clearly mocking. I feel like, you know, I'm I am Martin Luther King Jr. in a way because I had a dream last night. You know, just a little bit like I am. I had a dream. And therefore, I am Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. So the, the, the whole thing obviously gets, you know, gets racialized in, in, in today's day. It's funny you bring up Martin Luther King Jr. who preached against uh, just trying to create a, tr- treat everybody equally. But today we want to make everything about race when maybe it's not. I, like I said, I think the thing with Tim Anderson is that there is a racial element to the backlash that he gets from doing what he does, which is just like enjoying the game and pimping home runs and whatever. And I'm, I am a, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm not pro pimp or anti pimp. I'm like the game will police itself. Like, you know, I'm, I'm all about, you want to pimp home runs just like, then you get hit. It's just like part of the game. And I'm fine with that. Um, and I'm, I'm also fine with them, like loosening, like every guy, the more people who pimp, the less people who are going to get thrown at. I'm okay with it too. Um, I'm, I'm fine with the game policing itself. You know, then now you have a douchebag altercation because Josh Donaldson's trying to knock some guy off the bag and that starts some, which is, which is Bush league for sure. It's a Bush league play. Josh Donaldson's a douche. So it's like, I'm sort of on everybody's side here and against everybody at the same point. Like there is a racial element to what Tim Anderson goes through, but also to call yourself Jackie Robinson is offensive. Josh Donaldson's a douchebag and Tim Anderson should be fine being upset at him talking shit to him, but you can't be upset at him talking shit by calling you Jackie Robinson when you did that yourself, which in my opinion was stupid, just gigantic douche off. It's just like one of the, might be one of the all time douche battles in sports. Yeah. Which is fitting for baseball. I hate to say it. They always have these sort of things. So Matt Harvey, on another note, was suspended 60 games. We didn't get to this last episode. This was news last week. So he suspended 60 games because through, would it be the deposition of the uh, Tyler Tyler Skaggs Skaggs case? He admitted to giving him some drugs. Yeah. Which he was protected. He was protected legally by taking the stand and saying that, but he's not protected concerning baseball. So right. he suspended 60 games. And I and, and so again, he uh he helped provide cocaine, oxycodone. I have to say. And people bring it up, and I know he tweeted this. It's interesting that he gets 60 games and Trevor Bauer gets two years when nothing legally has happened. Well, I think that there's, I think, you know, it's that's one of those things too where people love to do this all the time now, where people love to be like, uh, you know, this football player beat the shit out of somebody, this football player murdered somebody, and, you know, uh, this guy's been suspended for years for weed. It's like I, I 
question a lot of these owners and I question a lot of these commissioners and I question a lot of these things, but like, we don't always have to do the, like the, 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 but this thing it's like, is, does anybody think that 60 games for Matt Harvey is inappropriate? I do. You think it's too long or too short? I think it's too long. You think 60 games is too long? I, I just, but, but I'm also coming from a different angle. My angle is, so he gave the guy drugs. Well, right. That doesn't, that doesn't concern baseball. But that's more of me just saying, this is so stupid. He gave him drugs. Let us, let us be adults. How does that concern baseball? I mean, I think the way it concerns baseball is the way it would concern, I don't know, your high school or whatever. Like, if you did that in high school, you'd be suspended too. And it's like, well, these kids are whatever, like what, like the law, the law will sort it out. Why do we have to suspend them? And it's like you suspend them so that other kids don't do it. So I think it concerns baseball in like trying to set an example and say, Hey, this shit, like you don't only have to think about the legality of things, especially because famous athletes often don't, worry about the legality of things because they know that they can get out of it. I mean, we're talking about fucking, we, we just talked about Kobe Bryant before we talked about Ben Roethlisberger, like Deshaun Watson, Trevor Bauer, like the, the idea that Trevor, nothing legally happened to Trevor Bauer. Okay. Because he proved he didn't do anything wrong or because he is worth $200 million and can pay for fucking lawyers. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of different things happen. So my thing is like, I don't really mind the Matt Harvey suspension. And also, I don't really even know we're bringing up the Trevor Bauer suspension has anything to do with it. There's clearly something amiss about the Trevor Bauer situation where we don't have all the information because we have what, you know, we have we have that the DA didn't press charges. But that Major League Baseball certainly has a lot more information about the situation than we do. I am not saying that the Trevor Bauer suspension is right, but I'm saying like the the Matt Harvey suspension kind of is and bringing up the Trevor Bauer situation sort of muddies the waters and makes us talk about like, well, what are these one's drugs and one's a guy beating up a girl? What do these two things have to do with each other? Well, I I, I think again, the comparison is that one was implicated legally and one wasn't. And to me, 60 games, again. For a pitcher is 15 starts? 12 starts. Yeah. But, you know, once every five days. But I don't know, man. I I just let people decide. You know, obviously, I just say, let people decide what they want to do with their bodies. Like, that should be an individual decision. And we're going to now patrol and police what one pitcher did giving it to another pitcher. And, and it's just like, I don't know, like, like personally, I, I really have, but here's the thing. If you're, if you're the commissioner of baseball, it's bad for baseball when your players die. Sure. Drugs. Yeah. It's not right. So forget policing what guys want to do with their body. You just can't have baseball tied to 
opioids and cocaine and players dying from it. But it, so what you're, but it already is. It's already tied to God knows the drugs they're giving these guys. That's my point. Like, like, okay, you can't give these drugs, but hey, we'll shoot you up with these drugs or we'll let you take these pills. I, I just like, dude, and I know this is like going off on a different tangent, but. I mean, but I guess the question is how many games do you, th- you don't think Math Harvey should have been suspended? I mean, personally, no. Okay. And I know, I know I'm an outlier in that. But also, I know I, I know I live on an island. You're you're I mean, on I my. Th- I, 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 think, like, like, I think I think being like everybody's an adult, blah 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 blah. Let adults make their decisions. No one forced this guy to take it. He died on his own. It's one thing, but it's like putting, making, p- penalizing guys. I mean, Matt Harvey doesn't think he didn't do anything wrong. Okay. You know what I mean? Cocaine's illegal, right? So he did do something wrong. There, there, it, there is a crime in a, in providing somebody with illegal drugs. So to me, suspend the guy and then he's a pitcher. So it's really, like you said, one every five days. I just think suspending a guy for essentially 12 games to prove a point that guys, you're going to, kids are going to come up in this league and they're going to suddenly be playing 162 games and they might not, they might be interested in finding out about all kinds of different drugs that help them be able to perform for 162 games, which is a lot, which is way more than you ever played before that. You're going to be punished if you facilitate that. I'm kind of fine with it. And I, and, and, and I guess my point is, is like, I don't know how much, um, I don't know how this relates to the Trevor Bauer situation. So I, I, I just don't know why we're even comparing them, but at the same time, it's like, do I think that that's that Matt Harvey should be suspended from whatever, like something separate from baseball should, should his punishment be that severe? If he, if he makes a deal with the police, no, but baseball also has to protect baseball. You see my point though, right? concerning what these guys are taking or what they're given within their own clubhouse. That's all I'm trying to bring up. Like, like that. And that's a legitimate debate. You can debate. Oh, cocaine's that's a, that's a debate. Oh, you think cocaine's this bad? Well, I'd argue all this shit you put in your body's bad. I'd argue it's just as bad, if not worse. And, 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 and now, guess- and now greenies are like, we we've been dealing with that for as long as there's been drug laws. Is that like, you know, uh, uh, however many million people in the last five years were like, you know what? Maybe I'll try pot now that it's legal. It's like, well, why didn't you just try it before? You're going to yeah. let the government tell you what's right or wrong. But at exactly. the same time, baseball is, and we've talked about this before, people keep politics out of sports. Baseball has to consider the, the rule of law because they go out every day and they beg fucking states and cities and and county commissioners give them money sure yeah for sure no it's all tied it's all tied together follow the money for sure i guess i just come from that mentality of letting people do what they want especially with drugs i mean i mean you and i are on that same island 
I mean, I mean, you, 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 dude, you tell people all drugs should be legal. People act like you say the crazy. When I tell people that people think I'm the craziest person, all drugs. Yes. All drugs. I think people should be able to decide what they want to do with their own bodies in any regard. You mean all it's just, it, you know, it's wild to me that like, yeah, dude, if they legalize cocaine, I don't think everyone's going to go out there snorting cocaine. Yeah. But again, that you're talking, about, you're talking a guy whose political opinions are love-based anarchy. And I don't think we should have fucking stop signs. But then people go, well, what do you mean? And it's like, yeah, a utopian idea is an idea that we can all strive for. But also it's impossible to put into practice because you can't just say legalize all drugs, because how does that how does that work in? How does that work in the the near future versus the long future? We're just not set up in any we're not set up in any regard for that to happen in a way. Okay. Are we going to have universal health care in the United States of America so that if anybody does get hooked on drugs, now they can go to rehab without paying for it? There's a lot of different things that have to happen for you sure. to have. I, and you're right. I, I don't disagree there. There would have, A lot of things would have to happen to legalize drugs. Uh, you, you know, I again, I, I just. It's tough for me to think, hey, this guy is getting suspended because he gave somebody drugs that they willingly took. But whatever. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, Matt Harvey, I mean, is he even pitching realistically? Yeah, I mean, Matt Harvey, he's so, he's so goddamn naturally talented that he's in and out all the time. But I think that this is a, I mean, in the story, the, uh, you know, the dark night has become the darkest night. You know what I mean? It's the, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the tales at this point. I mean, he was, ble- he, had, he had a cocaine nosebleed on the mound on the mound yeah those pictures are pretty wild i wonder which sport did more cocaine in the 80s basketball or baseball i don't i feel like football isn't as much per capita i mean what are we talking about like i wonder because you you know obviously we're reading showtime lakers and cocaine was wild in the nba and if you read any books about baseball or watch any documentaries Cocaine was rampant as well. You know this firsthand with your 86 Mets. I just wonder per player, I guess, because obviously one sport is a lot more roster players. Yeah, I'm going to go with the NBA. and I'm going to go with the And this isn't, again, it's not racially, but a lot more young black guys in the NBA who are susceptible to, you know, drug pushers in the 80s. I mean, that was the fucking crack cocaine boom of thing. I mean, you, you talk about Talk about the 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 big names in the in baseball, the Doc Goodens, the Daryl Strawberries, the Tim Raines, the whatever. These guys who like get, you know, famous. Oh, oh Tim Raines didn't slide because he had crack vials in his pocket. That's wild. Like, yeah. He only slid head first. It's like it's not a, it. I, that's not a racial statement by me. It's 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 more of a, you know, an attack on the United States of America and how we took advantage of, you know, poor black people. And pumped drugs into their fucking neighborhoods. Sure. But but yeah, probably the NBA. Was Bill Walton ever on cocaine? We know he was probably on some sort of. He had to do cocaine at some point. He just had to. I just, yeah, I would bet everything that he had to. He's the kind of guy who seems like he would try it. Funny we bring up Bill Walton. So I told you I went back and I watched that clip of the Robert Ory game-winning shot. Again, I think it was 2001 or 2002 
Western. Is he Commerce announcing? Products. Joe, it's so wild. It's Bill Walton. This is on NBC. So it's it. it's Marv Albert and Bill Walton. And Bill Walton, is, <laughs> dude, I'm not like saying he's not. Well, he's really not normal now because that's why I love him. That's why you love him. He's like a totally normal announcer. Yeah. He's just a normal dude. And what's funny is that was when I started. That's when my love of Bill Walton started because there would be ever so slight moments where he'd show the true Walton and it used to infuriate people. I remember, and you know, you didn't have social media then, but you just had, you just had like person to person conversations. And it was like, I remember being at my high school girlfriend's house and the games were on and her dad, just like an old white man. It's like hated Bill Walton. Sure. She's like, he never shuts up. And he's always this. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of love him. Yeah. I'm going to play the clip. So again, this is, uh, it's 2002 NBA playoffs. His game winning three again, Walton's like, just like a normal dude. Lakers had answered the challenge with one. Oh, God damn it. Can we just get the clip? I don't want to see some. Let's let's see if we can, I can just find the clip. So fat. Add, add. You know, this is this is this is egregious. I'm going to mute this. Hold on. You can never just get the clip, can you? Can we just get the clip? All right. All right. Let's hopefully this is him. We're down to seven seconds. Bryant putting a move on Christie. Rebound O'Neal. It's all Mark Albert, of course. I mean, I'm just failing miserably at this. Whatever. I'm or done. what a shot Marv to tip <laughs> out Divot. That's why I said it whenever I played control the ball. Control the ball the way you control your thoughts when you take a little too much mescaline. Try to get both hands on it, wrap it up, and end this game. No, Divots goes with the tap out, gets right into the hands of big shot Bob Ori. A lot of people call him Robert. I call him Bob. I occasionally call him Bobby when I see him in the hallway. There he is. Big shot Bobby coming through again. He's been doing this since the days of his high-flying rocket career. He was one of those Hakeem Olajuwon rocket teammates in his early days hitting big shots. He's always been big shot Bob. And every time I see him, I say, you know what? How many more big shots do you have in you, big guy? This is unbelievable. You're like an M16 it's just shot after shot. How many, how many big shots does your clip hold, Robert? See, that's even better than the actual Bill Walton. Actually, that is Bill Walton, as dirtballs know. He just chimes in whenever he wants. Speaking of shots and missiles, I'm thinking, <laughs> did you see Top Gun yet? I have not. Is it out there? I, I believe it's. I believe it. You're right. So it's this the, weekend. Sorry, it's this. The weekend. official. Yeah, the official date is uh, the 26th, I believe. Okay. Um, but it is premiering early. I believe I could see it as early as tomorrow night. How did you feel when you saw that Applebee's did? Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny because did your brain of, explode? No, and you know why? Because this is actually not even new territory for the Top Gun franchise. I don't know if you had this as a kid, Andy, but I wore out 
Top Gun on VHS. Actually, my dad had it on beta, I believe. But I wore out the tape version of Top Gun. I've seen Top Gun 200 times easy. I've said that before. I'll say it again. Um, And before the movie, first things first, when I would put in the tape for Top Gun, before the movie would even start, this was sort of unheard of. You know, you usually go through previews and whatever. First thing, fighter jet. And you're like, did this movie already start? And then it's a Pepsi commercial. It, they shot a, a like they must have been the most expensive Pepsi commercial outside of a Super Bowl ad ever. It was in on the tape for Top Gun, a Shut fighter up. pilot Pepsi commercial. And I was like, yeah. So the idea that they're they're doing some sort of Top Gun commercial, not surprised at all. Not shocking. I mean, that's like, been the number I, I can one. only imagine that's why Maddie Goldberg doesn't love Top Gun, you know, because Pepsi, they went Pepsi instead of Coke. Oh, he's more of an Iron Eagle fan. Yeah. Iron Eagle. I never saw any of those. Iron Eagle. Thanks for reminding me. I got to call him back. Playing a little phone tag with Maddie. He's still off Twitter. He's off Twitter. Yeah, he's been off Twitter. He's, he, he just posted on Facebook. I check in on Facebook every once in a while, maybe okay. once, every, once every month. He just posted on Facebook something like, I noticed all the only friends who ever call me are like people in AA reaching out to apologize or something like that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. He's the saddest status update I've ever read. I, I got, I'm not going to say the name. I'll tell you after the show. I got an AA apology in the last year. Really? Yeah. From someone we both know. I was, I was surprised. A comedian? I never, yeah. I had never gotten an AA apology. Wow. Yeah. And uh, no, good for that person. I'm not, I'm not making fun of them for the record, but yeah, it was an AA text and it ended up being a, a, a bunch of texts. We, we caught up over text, but I had never received that. I mean, I could do a big apology. If I did an apology tour to quote Top Gun, that list would be long and distinguished. Like was Johnson. it a was it a guy who now lives on the East Coast? Man, yes. Wow. Did you get one? No. <laughs> I think but we're thinking about the same person. I don't even. I don't even. Actually, I don't even know what that person. If I'm thinking of the right person, would apologize to me for. But it, um, it, it, it wasn't like a big. It was. But I'm just surprised if it's the person that I'm thinking of that they're even in AA. Yeah, they're cleaned up. They're sober. They've been sober. Wow. I think it it, it wasn't a massive apology, but well, I'm not again, I'm not trying to denigrate it. It was more of the night of the infamous denting. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And how things played out and which whatever. But yeah. If he I don't know how that person identifies or she uh I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh I was gonna say if he or she I'm trying to can get clean, anybody can get clean. Well, yeah. I mean that's kind of where I was going. I mean, you <laughs> the person used to go, ham, you remember that? Yeah. I mean, comedians can be wild, dude. Yeah. There's your comparison. 
he would he would he would go for the booze and then you know let him off and it just all the way back to the booze (laughs) all right yeah That's that's an all-time Joe Prado, Andy Ruther inside joke, which literally no one will get. Um, the Arizona Cardinals will be this year's mid-season hard knocks. Last year was the Colts. I never watched an episode. This remind year. me, remind me who this year's off-season hard knocks is. Detroit Lions. Oh, right. Oh, I can't wait for people to be boning out on the Lions. Oh, it's gonna be great. The ratings haven't been the best from what I saw, but I guess it doesn't matter. It's just diehard sports fans or football fans watch this shit. I didn't watch any of the cold stuff. I didn't either. It's like once we're in the thick of the season, I don't need. Hard Knocks gets you so hyped for the year. It's like it it feels hard knocks to me feels like the end of summer and the start of football. It's like, ready? Here we go. And once I'm in the thick of the season, I don't need. I agree. I don't need hard knocks. If it was my team, I'd care if it was a team I super cared about, but like, I don't know. Am I that interested in the Cardinals? No, definitely not. Hey, we got some love for our hockey correspondent. They're they're more interesting than the Colts. That's for sure. Sure. So maybe let's get to some calls. Let's get to some calls. 310-359-8365. 310-359-8365. I'm going to put a quick little hockey correspondent love. Got to give Ryan some love. What's going on, guys? Matt, OG Dirtball in St. Louis. Just wanted to give a quick call and say shout-out to Ryan, the new hockey correspondent. He might not have Alexis's bag set, but I love listening to that guy talk. Uh, but I do want him to give St. Louis a little bit more love. We got game two tonight, so hoping for a dub. Stay dirty. They're down 2-1 now. The Blues. I know that much. That's all I know. Yeah, the Blues are down 2-1. That was that was a call from pre-game two. I actually uh, reached out to Ryan, and I said, my NBA betting has been so off that I want to get into some hockey bets. He reached out to me. He said he liked the Blues in game two, even though he was slurping the, the avalanche so hard. He goes, there's tons of value on the blues in game two, because everybody's just assuming that the avalanche are going to roll. And um, so he knows I like my underline, my money line underdogs. So I was like, yeah, I like this. I got in on uh, blues game two. They win money line dog. So I'm already, I'm er- I've already got a better, I've already made more money betting hockey this postseason than I have betting the NBA. Although I did have a nice weekend in the NBA too. Do you have a gambling problem at this point? No, no, only because I'm just not. I'm just not betting that much. Are you going to need to? Uh, I'm, betting, I'm betting like 50 units a bet. You know what I mean? That's not, yeah. Goldberg's like 50 units. I'm just trying to get to 50 units, and then I'm retiring, baby. Maddie Vital, baby. Here's a home run. Would you rather? Ooh. What's going on? Dirty sports. It's Dolzy in Cincinnati. Uh, calling you guys with a baseball hypothetical question today. So I'm watching a bunch of home runs over the, over the weekend and whatnot. And I'm 
kind of just thinking to myself, would you rather hit a home run over the Green Monster as a righty or hit one into the bay in San Francisco as a lefty? Mm. Now, I'm a right-handed guy, so like obviously I think hitting it out of the Monster would be crazy, but at the same time, I've literally told everybody that I would get my left nut to be able to be a left-handed hitter just to have a smooth swing. So with that being said, I think hitting one into the cove is probably, I think it's probably sexier. But I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Thirty boys. Okay, I got a crazy stat. Let's see if you can guess these stats. So over the Green Monster or in McCovey Cove, this is as of May eighth, so minus the last two weeks. How many you think? How many balls you think have been hit in McCovey Cove? Ever? Yeah. Uh, not not many. It's under 100. I'll give you that much. Yeah, I'm going to say 60 balls. 93. Okay. How many of those were Barry Bonds? Oh, uh, 60. 35. Okay. So 22 player Giants players have done it. So 93 have hit into McCovey Cove. It's definitely sexier. But there's something about launching a ball over that monster. I mean, you can hit a ball out over the monster that's not even that far. That's what I'm saying. But I'm going with the monster simply because of how it looks. And the just this the old stadium. And also, like, you hit one over the monster. You know you hit one over the monster. You hit one into the bay. You don't even know. You don't see it went into the bay. Exactly. Into the cove. So I'm going with the monster. But I, but and and the fact that you know, literally, thousands of balls have been hit over the monster, and ninety three have gone into the cove is certainly, you know, the argument for the cove. But as a righty, and just like watching guys hit it over the thing, and it's just still the same fucking wall. I'm going with the monster. I'm going with the monster. You know, there was a shark spotted swimming in the Covey Cove in 2017. Wow. Yeah. That's San Francisco Bay is sharky. They say that was the thing with Alcatraz. Those are shark infested waters. Oh yeah, great whites, man. Yeah. Don't think I haven't watched movies on that. Cause I have documentaries. That's why when they do the uh triathlon up there. Insane. They also I think have to shoot the water with like anti shark repellent. Yeah, guys surf under uh, Golden Gate Bridge all the time, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that one. Okay, so we both agree Green Monster. Yeah, I'm fine with somebody answering the other way around, but I'm going with the monster, personally. Yeah, I am too, unless a shark eats it. That's like Jaws 15. Like, you hit the home run, and the shark leaps up, leaps up eats the ball, and a bunch of people... In a boat. Remember how wild those Jaws movies got? I know we've talked about it. Have we? Dude, in Jaws 4, he followed them from New England down to Bahamas. The but shark the, did. Let's just think about this premise. A shark in the opening scene, he it's a Christmas time. He eats one I, of I the... I don't think I've seen Jaws 4. Dude, it's so bad. 
You got to. I saw Jaws 3D when I was like a fucking. I oh thought Jaws 3D in the theaters as I mean, how what year did Jaws 3 come out? Sometime in the 80s. Uh, Dennis Earl, Quaid. Early 80s. 84, 85, something like that. Like early. In 3D, dude, the old school red and blue 3D glasses. I was four, dude. Your parents let you see some shit, huh? Yeah. I was like, what are you guys doing to me? I just saw in 3D somebody get eaten alive by a shark. I'm four years old. Why are you guys doing this? Yeah, your parents are wild. That's Louis Gossett Jr., Dennis Quaid. Bedford Playhouse. Dude, Jaws 4, again, he follows. Dude, this is... Add this to the I think magic. I, made, I think I might have made our my my dad. I think it was me, my dad, and my brother. I think I might have made my dad. I think I might have like called it quits in the middle. I was like, no, we're not doing this. You Take know what's crazy? Out. Okay, I was having this discussion with my brothers today about ratings. Jaws 3D is PG. Yeah. Because back then, well, here's a fun fact. Do you know what movie created the PG 13 ranking? Did you know? Did you know? No. It movies in the past used to go PG or PG to R, which is wild to think. Like, there's nothing in between PG and R. I love this. This is the guy. This is this is the guy who was like, kids should be able to do cocaine if they want to. And now you're like, we need a PG 13 rating. No, no, no. I didn't. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I think it's wild. And yes, adult adults should be allowed to do cocaine whenever they want. They're not children. What I'm trying to tell you is, Poltergeist was the first ever PG 13. That created the PG-13 ranking. But it is crazy to think those Jaws movies, the first three were PG. Like people are getting eaten by sharks. And what's hilarious too is that the majority of all that stuff is like, of, like in not to go full fucking whatever, but like it was all language and sex. That's what those were. It's like, oh, you can watch a human being get shredded by a shark. But they don't say fuck, right? You know, like, no. Nah. Oh, okay. Then it's for kids. <laughs> yeah. So Jaws 4 is titled Jaws the Revenge. And again, dude, bro, I got to read. I have to. Then we're going to move on to the next call. The film focuses on now widowed Ellen Brody, you know, the Brodies, and her conviction that a great white shark is seeking revenge on her family, particularly when it kills her son, and then follows her to the Bahamas. Bro. It's amazing that that was the last Jaws. You got to watch it. Michael Caine's in it. Michael Caine. It still made $51 million. Yeah. Now that one was PG-13. So Michael Majid, I'm going to need a helmet I think, review. I think this shark doesn't like us. I'm going to need a helmet review, a nacho helmet review of all four Jaws. I spoke to him last week. He's like, dude, I got a lot on my plate right now. I go, you literally do. And you have to eat all the nachos. Yeah. He's like, he's like, how are we going to do this? I go, let's, I, go, I don't know if we're going to do this, but it'd be kind of difficult. Like he's like, I only have so much time in the day to watch old shitty movies. Okay. I give you a heads up on this call before the show. So we can talk about it. Hey, Joe and Andy. It's number one dirtball from South Bend, Indiana. Stephen Dermer calling. Uh, 
I've seen on online and some videos recently of a uh, high school quarterback who is ambidextrous, and so they're making a big deal about it. How he could be the real, real quick? Isn't it ambidextrous? Whatever. Keep playing the call. Okay. <laughs> By the way, me of all people trying to call somebody out. Yeah. My apologies, Stephen. First one to do it. Seems kind of ironic that nobody's ever done it. And it seems kind of odd as nobody done it for a reason. I mean, obviously, you're going to have a more dominant hand. And even the videos that I've seen, he definitely has a hand that he throws better with than the other one. They're not horrible with the other one, but still better than fucking some of these players. But uh, do you think that'll be something that works out, or do you think that that's not going to hold? I mean, is that going to be anything that'll work out in the future? Could that be a threat? Would that allow him to do anything? I mean, I think that'd be kind of one thing that might be a little hard to read on a defense. I mean, you'd be able to scramble multiple ways and still get the ball off, but just seeing what you guys think of that. Thanks, guys. Stay dirty. Okay, so this went viral last week. This guy's name is, he's 14. He's from Bellevue East, Bellevue, Nebraska. His name is Mikey Gow. And Sports Center Twitter sent videos. And then what made it go gangbusters was, Lamar Jackson quote tweeted number one overall pick hot fire emojis. Now we've watched these videos of him throwing and tell the listeners what you told me. He throws like my sister with his left hand. <laughs> I mean, pr- props to him. Looks like he can throw the ball. No doubt about it. But like, you know, even in the first clip you sent me, I was like, well, he's right hand dominant. Obviously. Then you sent me a two minute and 20 second highlight thing where he threw zero passes with his left hand over like 15 yards. And not even, I'll, I'll say over eight yards. Like it was all short shit. Also, here's the thing. We've seen this in baseball through the years. I would say since I was a kid, I don't know, four, five guys historically have come up and they've got the mitt that goes on both hands and they get, they're equally, you know, whatever. And obviously we've seen switch hitters in baseball, but in in baseball, if you're a pitcher, there's two major reasons where it's helpful. One is you your arm gets tired. Two is that there's a, you know, historically and statistically uh, uh, matchup issue, right-hand batter, left-hand, right-hand hitter, left-hand pitcher, left-hand hitter. Like, this is how you attack statistically, you know, these, these matchups. So you can, if you're a guy, not only does your arm not getting as tired, but you can switch depending on the batter in football. What is the benefit here? Like rolling, rolling out. Now the, the, the two, the two things I, I see that where this would be helpful is the quick screen All right. So you can snap the ball and immediately throw the quick screen down the line with both hands instead of having to turn to open up. Okay. I mean, what are you shaving? You know, not even two tenths of a second. And the other one 
And the other one is being able to roll out. Now we've seen the rollout, Patrick Mahomes, throw it lefty, blah, 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 blah. Never been 15 yards down the field. You know, we're talking about a few yards down the field, which is looks like what this kid has the ability to do right now with his left hand anyway. I think my issue with this is let's say he improved his left hand to the point where he could throw accurately a 20 yard ball when he's rolling to his left. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Now you better be good enough to get to the NFL with your right hand. And then we'll have that in the bag of tricks. Yeah. That's that's all it is. But otherwise it's like, otherwise I, I almost feel like I almost feel like at this point with his ability to throw with his left hand being what it is, you're wasting, like, I don't even want you practice. Like, why don't you just get better at playing quarterback with one hand? Yeah. Well, it's just a gimmick play. That you I mean, it, it's it's interesting. There's no doubt about that. But the amount of time he's spending on it, I don't know if it's, if it's worth it. You have to be good enough. Essentially, here's what has to happen. Okay? He has to be good enough to go to the NFL as a right-hand quarterback or to play major college football as a right-hand quarterback. And then we can figure out how to make use of this other hand. I just love his look. He looks just like Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't even seem that big. I mean, I know he's only 14 or whatever, but he's 6'1, 170 listed. Yeah. That's good. That's he's bigger than he looks. Yeah, he's got that total Trevor Lawrence. He's like a darker haired Trevor Lawrence. I'll say this. Lamar Jackson tweeting future number one overall pick fire emoji fire emoji makes me less confident in Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. I'm like, wait, what? Why? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I already am on the Lamar Jackson is suspect train to much to the dismay of mostly just Ravens fans um, and weird like fantasy players or whatever video game guys. But this doesn't help. Like the fact that this that this makes Lamar Jackson think that he's that much more exclusive makes me wonder if Lamar Jackson's focusing on the right things in the offseason. He's in a tough division now, huh? Like Lamar, let's just say it right now. Is he the I know he won an MVP. He's the third best quarterback in that division. Oh yeah. Like I mean, it's not even close, in my opinion. Now, Deshaun Watson didn't play last year, but still, it doesn't matter to me when we talk about just quarterbacks. That's where I'm going to be curious this year, after he was injured last year. I'm going to be curious what this year. I think that's one of the more fascinating. Like, that division is so compelling this year. Is Baker Mayfield just a Brown still? He's still a Brown. He was not invited on the trip to the Bahamas that Deshaun Watson took his team. Can you imagine if he went on that trip? I just assume he who shall not be named is like also Baker Mayfield starting this year. You think a shark followed Baker Mayfield from Lake Erie <laughs> down to the Bahamas, just like Jaws 4? I can't get over that premise. Like, like 
Dude, the 80s were fucking wild. I think he's following us. <laughs> Can I give away a scene in the movie? Sure. Because you're never going to watch it. Michael Caine lands a boat. Not a boat. Lands a plane. One of those planes that land in the ocean. A seaplane. A seaplane. And I'm pretty, I don't remember if he gets eaten by Jaws. If he survives. He Immediately? Because he starts dating the mom. The Brody mom. Yeah. My advice to everyone is do lots of cocaine and watch every Jaws movie this weekend. <laughs> and come back with a recap. It's three lands in the ocean. <laughs> then give us a call at 310-359-8365. Okay, that are the those are the calls for today. We are on social at the dirty sports. I'm on social at Andy Ruther. Joe is on social at at Joe Prano everywhere except for Twitter where I'm still at Fix Your Life and JoePrano.com for shows. JoePrano.com for shows. Perfect. All right. If you guys want to have a dirtball meetup, I'm gonna reach out to the uh, the Perfect Cat Day Cafe. See if we can do a uh... perfect. Yeah, and you have to say it. Dude, I, how did I not realize that till you brought it up? That she literally lives next to a witchcraft store and a fucking cat cafe. Yeah. Shit is wild. Okay, that's the show. As always, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back in a few days. Have a great start to your week. And as always, stay dirty. <laughs>